This broadcast, Arts at Nine, is coming to you from the Sudbury Theatre Centre in Sudbury, Ontario, Canada. It was originally broadcast on the community radio station CKLU 96.7. Weekly, it delves into the art scene in Sudbury with interviews, music by local musicians, shout-outs to local artists, and, of course, a fascinating featured guest. Today, we talk theatre. We'll meet Morgan Cook, a stage manager, to find out what goes on behind the scenes. And you'll get to know Alessandro Costantini, star of Dear Evan Hansen and artistic director of Yes Theatre. Enjoy the broadcast. Thanks for listening. to Arts at Nine on CKLU Radio, where it's all about the arts in Sudbury, Ontario. I'm your host, Judy Strawn, and we kick off today's show in conversation with John McHenry, Artistic Director of the Sudbury Theatre Centre. John, winter is upon us, but here we are again in your cozy little recording studio to talk about your favourite topic, the one you have been waiting for, theatre. I have been. I love theatre. It's the only thing I can do. If I, if I ever had to do anything else, I, I don't think I could cope. I think you would find something you could do. <laughs> mm. I don't know. But uh, I will put all faith in you that you will find something. Uh, what is going on, though, in theatre? Because we, you told us the other day that you are not doing a season. You can't because of COVID. But you've got lots of things happening. We do have lots of things happening at, at the Theatre Centre. Um, as you know, we've had Sudbury Celebration of the Arts, Black Lives Matter. We've just had uh, a vintage sale in the lobby for two days. Um, we have a movie coming in to shoot. Resident Evil is coming to shoot in our back hallway, and we're all so excited about that. Um, and a couple of productions. The Mystery of, of the Missing A.Y. Jackson is coming up, and uh, Yes Theatre's Bed and Breakfast. So it's all go here at SDC. See, you're very busy. You're, you can do something else. You can manage a theatre without doing shows. There you go. This is true. You can manage. There are a lot of roles in theatre that many of us who just watch plays have no idea about. We do understand what a carpenter does, a sound technician, a wardrobe person, but your role is actually a mystery. You have two roles. You are director and you are artistic director. What's the difference? Well, the artistic director of a theatre company oversees the vision of the company and whether they produce Canadian plays or is it all new works or just musicals, which I particularly like. Um, so it's their vision um, that they uh, tell you know, the Canada Council and the funders of what their vision of the company is, where they see it heading um, over a number of years. A director of a show just has to focus on that one show at any given time. And it's their vision of the show. They hire the actors. It's their vision of the set in conjunction with the set designer, lights, sound, cues. Wow. Okay. If I have this straight, the director directs the show, a specific show. The artistic director is the umbrella over everything with the vision on everything. That's a good question. Way of putting it. Question. As artistic director, can you hire yourself as a director? I can and I do because I work for cheap. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. As you're, an artistic you're opening the door for me to take a real <laughs> I, I, dig I, I there at I cheap. <laughs> Go on. If you're it's okay. <laughs> Cheap and easy, but go ahead. I, I, I can hire myself as a director. Are you obliged in your contract to direct shows? 
Not obliged, but it's um, it's good for the company if the artistic director can direct at least a few shows during mm-hmm. the season. And it probably brings in a specific brand of actor when you're directing. Uh, if someone else was directing, maybe they bring in someone there from the West and they bring in actors from the West and you bring in actors from wherever. It, it probably mixes it up beautifully with actors. Absolutely. And we, we all... I don't want to say we all have our favorites, but we all have um, actors who we like working with. Um, and you want to make it a pleasant experience for everybody. Um, we do have auditions in Toronto and in Sudbury and try to hire the best people for the job. If one of those happens to be a friend, well... Mm-hmm. Well, sure, because you trust them. We do, it's, absolutely. It's, what is something about being an artistic director that people ha- couldn't imagine, like, that we have no idea about? I just think you sit at a desk and make lists. No. No. Well, we do do that, but um, tell me the question well, again. The, well, I don't know what's hard about it. I can understand directing a show when you have people you have to talk to. You have the actors, you have the technicians, you have lighting and sound and costumes and stage management and who goes where. But it's hard for me to imagine what you're doing. What is hard about being an artistic director? It sounds like you just hire people. Well, you do, really. But the hard part is trying to choose a season here at SDC, we do four shows a year. Um, trying to put a cohesive season together that people are going to pay tickets, buy tickets, and, and come and see. Now, That's the hard part. Now I see the challenge because you are thinking of what do Sudbury audiences like, what will bring them through the door, and then after you have that magic list, you say, and what can we afford to do? Absolutely. I know for a fact that Sudbury audiences like the big musicals. Unfortunately, SDC is not in a position to do those big musicals at the moment. Mm-hmm. So we have to compromise and do the smaller musicals with just as much fun. With just, absolutely, and just as much entertainment value, absolutely. I must say. Now, one of the people you work with is a stage manager. On a scale of 1 to 10, how important is a stage manager to a director? 10 Plus, 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 plus. They are so vital to the operation. Why? They, they control the show, really, the whole kit and caboodle. They're the ones that make all the lists. They're the ones that coordinate between director, set designer, lighting designer, sound operator. Everything goes through the stage manager because when the time comes, it's the stage manager who controls um, the running of the show. They keep an eye on the vision, what the director's vision was for the show, and they keep it on track. So in a sense, you think it up, they make it happen? In yeah. a sense? They're the communication? Absolutely. Ah, so if you were a wheel, you would be the center and all the spokes go into you, but they are communicating with every spoke that goes Absolutely, out. Absolutely, yeah. It sounds too hard for me. It's <laughs> we, a, a huge job. It is a huge yeah. job. And, and I imagine there's a lot of stresses that we can't even imagine. We think theater's all fun, oh. uh, a lot of stresses. But let's go to the shout-out today. I think we have a shout-out, do we? We do have a shout-out indeed. Um, and it's a theater person. Ah. And the shout-out is from Linda Cartier, who is president of the Sudbury Arts Council, one of our partners on this radio program. And here's what she says. A big shout-out to Matthew Haiti, a multi-talented author, playwright, actor, director, and so much more. 
The insights of Sudbury's history provided in his play Mucking in the Drift was a stellar example of the talent he pours into his art. Matthew received a project... Project Bookmark Canada for his book, The City Still Breathing, with a recognition plaque erected outside the townhouse, putting us on the literary map in Canada. A shout out to Matthew Haiti from Linda Cartier. Honestly, you did say he's a theatre person, and I know you directed him last year, but he's so much more. And I just want to explain to people, if they've never been outside the townhouse to see the bookmark, it's worth going. It's a huge bookmark right affixed to the side of the building with a passage written on it out of the book. And to be part of Project Bookmark, you have to, number one, be an outstanding writer in Canada. It started out with Michael Ondaatje in Toronto, and it goes across the country. So you have to be an extraordinary writer to be voted to get a plaque. So this is a real coup for Matthew, a coup for Sudbury. But talk about him as an actor. Well, you know, you, you couldn't wish for a nicer guy to work with. Matt uh, played Ebenezer Scrooge in A Christmas Carol last year, one-person show with a few puppets thrown in. Um, and he played many, many different characters, and I, I know he had a ball doing it. It was great working together with him and creating that piece. Such a talent. He is. Before we meet Betty Ann Serre, who runs one of the best little arts coffee shops in downtown Sudbury, I'd like to play a piece of music from a musical, John, that warms your heart, one that you have special memories about, but it has to be one that you have directed. So what will that be? Mm -hmm. Well, that was a tough one. If it was something that I haven't directed, I would have chosen My Fair Lady. I've always wanted to direct that show. Um, for obvious reasons, but uh, I chose Cabaret. And why is that? Because it's just, it's just a wonderful show. I've directed it twice, once uh, for St. Mary's, which was on the lighter side, and then I di directed it in St. Catherine's, and we took a, the dark side. And um, such, and, such a powerful piece. And which of those two shows did the actor get sick and you had to go on the next day? No, it was, it was St. Mary's. After opening night, I was driving home from St. Mary's to Hamilton, where I lived at the time. And um, just as I'm stepping in the door, I get a phone call from the stage manager saying one of the actors is sick. So I drove back and went on that night. What and did that I, feel like? Well, nervous, and especially because I, was I, I stepped in to dance the role of the gorilla. So I'm in a gorilla suit, you know, completely, you know, and you, and you hear your breathing and you're, you get all sweaty and it's like, ugh. Well, the good yeah. thing about that is you're in a gorilla suit and no one will recognize well, you. Well, exactly. <laughs> and now we pluck John McHenry's heartstrings by going back to 1972 with Liza Minnelli singing Cabaret. Sitting alone in your room Come hear the music play Life is a cabaret, old chum Come to the cabaret Put down the knitting, the book and the broom It's time for a holiday Life is 
cabaret. Come taste the wine, come hear the band, come blow your horn, start celebrating. Right this way, your table's waiting. What good's permitting some prophet of doom to wipe every smile away? Life is a cabaret, old chum, so come to the to have this girlfriend known as Elsie with whom I shared four sordid rooms in Chelsea she wasn't what you'd call a blushing flower as a matter of fact she rented by the hour the day she died the neighbors came to snicker well that's what comes from too much pills and liquor but when I saw her laid out like a queen, she was the happiest corpse I'd ever seen. I think of Elsie to this very day. I remember how she turned to me and said, what good is sitting all alone in your room come hear the music play life is a cabaret old chum come to the cabaret and as for me ha, and as for me i made my mind Back in Chelsea When I go I'm going like Elsie Start by admitting Come cradle the tomb It isn't that long a stay Life is a cabaret it's only a cabaret old chum And I love a cabaret Indeed, life is a cabaret for more than John McHenry. Surprise, surprise, it's not Betty Ann Sari sitting in front of me right now. It is Morgan Cook, because we've been talking stage management, and Morgan can't wait to talk to you. She's going to tell us about a theater job that probably most of us know nothing about. She is currently stage manager for The Case of the Missing A.Y. Jackson and for Yes Theater's Bed and Breakfast. Morgan Cook, stage manager, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks Hi. for having me. We're glad to have you. I'll bet if I asked our listeners to name three things a stage manager does, they would actually be stuck. So in less than 5,000 words, Morgan, what on earth does a stage manager do? Oh my goodness. Well, just to give you a bit of context here about this question, when you approached me about this little interview and you said, you know, we might talk about what does a stage manager manager do I thought to myself what do I do and then I decided to ask some colleagues Alana here in the building I asked her I was like you know what do you say when people ask you that every single stage manager I have asked went 
Ah, oh, that's the worst question. I don't even know how to answer that. I don't even, I don't know. I never know. Um, so the best I can come up with is communication, liaise, saw that word and I was like, that is perfect, um, and track. If I have to, if I Tell us what, what does track mean in theater? So in theater terms, tracking, this kind of looks more at the rehearsal process leading up to a show because there's a as I'm sure many people know or may not know, there is a whole big long process before a show is put on stage and even before actors are involved. So tracking, I'm looking at tracking props, costumes, actors, people backstage, basically anything and everything that moves. You know where everything and every person is at every given moment and what should be there for them. Yes. And if it's not... You know who to blame? Yes. Is it you that gets the blame? Yes, usually. <laughs> oh, even no, though it is completely out of my hands at that point, it is always often my fault. Well, you do have other people, <laughs> though, working backstage, and someone oh, else could have goofed. Yeah, it, it, well, it could be something so small. You know, so often people backstage, you know, everyone's so helpful in the theater and everyone wants to, you know, I thought I would I, I would take it upon myself to bring this actor, this this prop for them. When you don't realize that that might actually cause, you know, a huge train wreck mm-hmm. could lead to this, lead to this, mm-hmm. lead to this, lead to this, and then catastrophe. One of the things that I have learned in theater is how important the stage manager's book is. The stage manager's book is the Bible of the show. The stage manager is allowed to leave the theater at night, and the book isn't. The book's supposed to stay. Tell us about your Bible. So um, the Bible, it is the most important part in it. Well, there's a whole bunch of parts. Basically, it's, it's, it's all this tracking that I was talking about in written form and that was one of like the very first lessons I learned when I started my kind of theater school training is we have all this amazing technology now but you should always have something in written or or a printed copy you always need a paper copy of what you have so you have something to fall back on you know worst case scenario so in this book that this giant book that I'm carrying around with me everywhere during rehearsal during the show etc I have everything written down I've got all this tracking written down cues everything is in it Everything's there in neat, orderly form, and there's probably a convention. You have to record it this way so that another stage manager would know. You have to do it this way. What if something happens in the course of a show, and we find out in the afternoon that you can't call the show or the stage manager can't call the show? What would happen? Uh, This actually happened to me. Um, Opening weekend of... The summer festival in 2018, I experienced a great, great loss, and I 30 minutes to showtime, I had to leave. I, I, the stage manager who was calling the show, had to immediately leave. And that was life. That happens. But it also became one of the, the biggest, not lessons, because I already did it right, but it was just so fulfilling to hear people say, Morgan, we are so you know, unbelievably grateful that your book has done so well that we were able to pick it up 30 minutes before a show and call the show for you because everything was so crystal clear. Anyone could do it. And there isn't a light cue that would happen or a sound cue or an anything cue without it being in the book. Yeah. Wow, you got through that. Yeah. First weekend, actually, um, have you announced who your next guest is? 
I yes, John has already announced it. Okay, so that is who called that show, Alessandro, who really? is not a stage manager, who is very much you know we all know who Alessandro is, mm-hmm. called that show, and then the lighting designer called the other shows while I was away. Fantastic. Yeah. That's interesting because it's a whole different role for him. But yet, who knows that show better than the person who's directed it knows every cue that's supposed to happen. So. Give us another theater disaster. I love this. What's another um, theater disaster? We were talking about one. Uh, we love to call it uh, Yes Unplugged is how we refer to it when we look back at this really kind of horrific, tragic, earth-shattering moment that turned out to be just so beautiful. Um, technology, right? Technology. So our soundboard in the middle of the show just kind of went kaput. And I can't even tell you what happened because I'm, I'm not a sound designer, so I have no idea why or how this happened. But middle of a show not even the middle I think we were about uh, three quarters or two quarters away and whatever that's half <laughs> math I'm a stage manager not a mathematician <laughs> a quarter of the way in I was there <laughs> at that show and I can't tell you how far in it was yeah. that's okay um the sound went out it just went out there was no sound no the mics were not picking up any singing we had our orchestra up in the pit so we couldn't hear them because they were far away and they were being fed into the room and all the sound was gone so like that we were like all right Let's get the musicians out here on stage and let's do this thing live, unplugged, acoustic. And it worked and it was crazy chaotic, but it worked. And everyone just kind of went when someone, I think Alessandra put out the idea was like, let's do this. Everyone went, okay, let's do it. Bam. It was wonderful being in the audience. I actually like being in audiences when there is a theater disaster. Um, Not because I like disasters, but I love what happens when people solve problems that are just dropped on them. Uh, You had the audience wait for maybe 15 minutes, in came all the musicians, you set them up, and there they were, dressed terribly because they're not usually (laughs) seen by mankind, and they played in front of us, and it was an exhilarating, wonderful moment yeah so congratulations on getting through that one you are the stage manager of a show that's you that's on going to be on at the theater center at the end of november bed and breakfast yes theater alessandro costantini and jake deeth so alessandro's not listening right now give me the problems and the challenges of that show um there aren't any that's good (laughs) (laughs) there well there are and there aren't you know the the, it's very so uh Jenny Pinal is also she's directing the show so there's the four of us working on it right and it's a co-pro with STC so we've got Ben helping us out and but it's 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 so much smaller than what we've done the last you know two years where we've got kind of all these team members and you kind of know who to go to for this issue and who to go to for this issue it's a lot of us thinking about things that we might not have thought of before so even like the lights for example like we're we have uh, a little plot thing that we've printed out and we're looking at you know where we're going to put our lights and it's interesting to see how you know the director who has a choreographic background is talking about lights versus how I from kind of a technical background would talk about lights and how the four of us come together to plan that out it's it's it, not it's, a challenge it's just it's it's an enjoy it's really an enjoyable break from the big shows what is it like now, I haven't seen the show. I, I, I have bought my tickets, but I haven't seen it yet. It's not on. Um, but what, what's it like directing? They have, what, 11 characters or so to play each? They're in, out, in, out. Is that a challenge for a stage manager or not? Um, it's like I thought it would be, but it's actually really not because in terms of blocking and tracking, 
I kind of approach it more than I'm tracking Alessandro and Jake. The character work is is up to them. You know, whether they are the character of Drew or Allison or Steve, I'm tracking what Alessandro is doing. So whether Alessandro needs to be Oh, I see. Steve you don't have to moment. worry about the characters. It's just do they have what they need at that moment? Mm-hmm. Are they are they it it's a show without props as well and pretty minimal set. So the biggest thing is making sure they are where they need to be that uh the the few moving set pieces are where they need to be. Yeah. You are also I'll just throw this in for a 15 second answer. You are also stage managing a show the A.Y. Jackson show. Oh, yes, yes. The case one. of the missing A.Y. Jackson. That is different from anything else that anybody has ever done. It's a show going in with virtually no rehearsals, one rehearsal. How does that challenge you as a stage manager? Um, so what I'm actually working on right now, like outside of this room, is uh, thinking about trying to think about each individual person and what their experience will be like I'm trying to look at everyone as an individual not as the whole group I'm not looking at them as a cast so I'm thinking about you know this person they are going to walk here and then they're going to walk here and then they're going to walk here and I want it all ready and prepped so that there's nothing surprising for our one rehearsal I want them to be ready and I want myself to be ready and I'm Mm -hmm. looking for any little thing that could cause us to go Hmm, we didn't think about that because we don't want any of that. Yeah, and that, that, the, the stage manager think. has to have that type A brain, type A detailed brain. The case of the missing A.Y. Jackson is set up as an old-fashioned radio play, so at least there isn't a lot of blocking, but you've got lots of other things, 15 people to worry about. Uh, finally, just wondering, how on earth do you train to be a stage manager? Um, well, there is, like, formal, like, you can go to school for it, but from, I've, from all the stage managers I've spoken to, all of them have so much more to say about experience there. And I think I can agree that like the experience you get doing this, you know, maybe starting with community and then kind of working your way up. And then, you know, if you do want to take kind of the equity route, then working on that. But the experience of actually working in the theater, you know, assistant stage managing or just working on productions and seeing how it's done around you, that is that's the, real the goal. Training. That was actually my second last question. What I want to know now is when I first met you, you were an actor. So let us imagine that show X is going to be put on stage and I offer you, I say, Morgan, you can either be an actor in this show or you can stage manage this show. What are you going to choose? Oh, there's a lot of factors there. I get a fear now when anytime I'm asked to go on stage. So I did a, a show where I was stage managing, but I was asked to bring a prop on stage. That kind of brings me a lot of fear. Stage managing doesn't bring fear. It brings like challenge and confidence. So I obviously gravitate more towards those feelings. You have switched to the other side, right? The I other side of the curtain. And, and you're good at it. So that's great. And we're glad you're stage managing. Oh, thank, you. thank you, stage manager Morgan Cook, for demystifying the complex job of the stage manager. Thanks. It was great having you. Thank you. And thank you to the Sudbury Arts Council for arranging this interview. Up next is Alessandro Costantini, Artistic Director of Yes Theatre, and one of the two actors starring in the upcoming Bed and Breakfast at the end of November. All last year, he performed in Dear Evan Hansen all over Canada and the United States. Now, from the Broadway company of Dear Evan Hansen, a song from the beginning of the show where two mothers try to figure out how to raise a teenager when there's no guidebook. 
Have a listen from Dear Evan Hansen. Anybody have a map? Have you been writing those letters to yourself? Dear Evan Hansen, this is going to be a good day, and here's why. I started one. Those letters are important, honey. They're going to help you build your confidence. I guess. Can we try to have an optimistic outlook? Huh? Can we fuck up just enough to see the world won't fall apart? Maybe this year we decide we're not giving up before we've tried. This year we make a new start. Hey, I know. You can go around today and ask the other kids to sign your cast. How about that? Perfect. I'm proud of you already. Oh, good. Another stellar conversation for the scrapbook. Another stumble as I'm reaching for the right thing to say. I'm kind of coming up empty. Can't find my way to you. Does anybody have a map? Anybody maybe happen to know how the hell to do this? I don't know if you can tell, but this is me just pretending to know. So where's the map? I need a clue. Because the scary truth is I'm flying blind. And I'm making this up as I go. It's your senior year, Connor. You are not missing the first day. I already said I'd go tomorrow. He doesn't listen. Look at him. He's probably high. He's definitely high. I don't want you going to school high, Connor. Perfect. So then I won't go. Thanks, Mom. Another masterful attempt ends with disaster. Interstate's already jammed. Pour another cup of coffee and watch it all crash and burn. Connor finished the milk. It's a puzzle. It's a maze. I try to steer through it a million ways, but each day is another head out. If Connor's not ready, I'm leaving without him. Does anybody, anybody, anybody maybe happen to know how the hell to do this? I don't know if you can tell, but this is me just pretending to know. So where's the map? I need a clue. Cause the scary truth is I'm flying blind. I'm flying blind. I'm flying blind. And I'm making this up as I From Dear Evan Hansen, that was Anybody Have a Map. And who was in the mega Toronto production of Dear Evan Hansen? Sudbury's Alessandro Costantini. And who was selected to be part of the North American tour? Sudbury's Alessandro Costantini. And whose big gig in Dear Evan Hansen was cut short by COVID? <laughs> Alessandro Costantini. He has worked in film, theater, and television. He splits his time as an actor and director between Toronto and Sudbury and continues his work with Yes Theatre Company, his company. Welcome to Arts at Nine, yes. Alessandro. Hello, thank you. You just came <laughs> rushing in. I have to tell people, you came rushing in with 20 seconds to spare yeah. here. What, what are you doing? Um, I was taking a nap, to be honest, because um, we had rehearsal today, and, uh, and it was my birthday last night. So oh, I, tell me no more. Your yeah. birthday followed by a rehearsal, followed That's by right. an interview. Yeah. Oh, all right. And then we have some other, we're doing another little video this evening for Yes. So big day today. Big day today. Yeah. yeah. Alessandro, you grew up doing theater in Sudbury, mm -hmm. and then you went off to George Brown and trained in theater, and then you snagged this big role in, in <laughs> Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah. 
we have no understanding of what it what you go through to get a big role like that. What is the audition process like? Um, for Dear Evan Hansen, it was um, quite lengthy. Uh, it took from uh, I think I heard about the auditions in March, and I had my first audition at the end of April. And I had four different callbacks for that. The first one was just with the Toronto casting director. Second one was again with the Toronto casting director, and then they filmed it to send off to the New York team. And then my third callback was with the associate from the New York production, and then the director, Michael Greif, came to Toronto with the music team and everyone for the final audition, which was pretty surreal because Michael Greif is a artist that I've, you know, adored since or his work uh i've adored since i was a child he directed rant um, which is like you know kind of set me on my path if you will <laughs> um so then for me the audition getting to meet him uh even briefly was kind of worth it it was mm -hmm. just like okay well great if nothing comes of that that was pretty extraordinary for me <laughs> so so there are many steps but mm -hmm. step number one just to get through just to get on to number two you yeah. had to select what you would do for this particular audition that uh -huh. must be a tough choice what did you choose so so that actually i was i was given material from the show yeah so there was no prepping anything there's no prepping anything of my own it was all uh just scenes from dear van hansen and music from dear van hansen uh, which was great, and I was familiar with, I had seen the show in New York, um, I think it was shortly after it opened, because I was working in Montreal on a production uh, called Prom Queen, which is now called The Louder We Get, and a gentleman from from New York had came to see the show, and he says, do you know anything about this Dear Evan Hansen? Because they're looking for people right now, it's opening in a couple weeks in New York, and, and they I think they needed an uh, understudy or something, and... He said, I think you're perfect for the show. And I said, well, I don't really know much about it. And then it came out, and I loved it. I fell in love with it. I thought it was wonderful. And I had actually gone to New York to audition for a vacation cover in the New York production. Um, and that sort of, nothing really came of that. And uh, and then when it was coming to Toronto, I was like, all right, I'm going right. to try and book this. <laughs> so you saw you saw the New York production did, while you yeah. were there. Mm -hmm. Question is it bad to see somebody else do the role, or is it good to see somebody else do the role? I hadn't, I did not remember, to be honest, because the first time I saw it, I got, I went to the, the opening for Come From Away, and there was a massive snowstorm, so I ended up being in town an extra day, and I walked through, I walked through um, Times Square in like, you know, a snowstorm, but for Subri, it was like just another day, <laughs> but there was really nobody there, and I went to box office, and I said, do you happen to have any tickets? And they gave me a ticket for $40, and I sat in the front row. So I just kind of really was mostly mesmerized by Ben Platt's performance, and uh, but the whole show was really moving. But I didn't really remember much of it. And then when we started rehearsals in New York, we were there for six weeks. Um, the day we got there, we went to see the show. And that was a little bit... A little bit strange seeing seeing the show and being like, okay, because really I only well, watched. Was it Jared. slightly intimidating? Be strange, but was it slightly intimidating? You're mm -hmm. watching someone who's been working on it, has it down yeah. pat, and there you are. You haven't totally. even started to work on it. Yeah, I was terrified. I was I was very intimidated and scared, and because it was a it was a big mix to to be there in the city working on the show. It was like this dreams come true thing, and you know I started going like, oh my god, can I do this? Can I do this? And I should I even be here? I was feeling a little very. 
second guessing yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I called my mom and be like, oh, they're going to fire me. I'm going to do well, this. It's, for those who didn't get to see Dear Evan Hansen, I was lucky enough to see the Toronto uh-huh. production. I went down because you were in it and yeah. I wanted to see it. But it is a huge spectacle. Mm-hmm. It is the biggest, one of the biggest lighting shows. I think lighting is oh, one yeah. of the stars of the show. But yeah, it's there's, enormous. There's, there's not really a set. It's all projections and lights and... Um, which took took a lot getting used mm-hmm. to when we went when we started attacking things, but yeah, it's a it's a massive, you know, production. it is massive, it's huge. So you start in Toronto, you're mm-hmm. in the big show, mm-hmm. and then somehow they are they are selecting people from mm-hmm. your cast, not everybody, yeah. but selecting people from your cast mm-hmm. to travel um, yeah. all over Canada and the United States. Mm-hmm. So our production uh, ended its run in Toronto, and uh, at the same time, there was going to be a changeover. Um, with some of the folks on the tour and some of the Broadway company um, and some of the artists from Toronto uh, were asked to go to the to some some of the either the Broadway company or the national tour company uh, and I was fortunate to to get to go on on tour which was just incredible yeah you know when we think about tours people who haven't done them think mm-hmm. oh this is so glamorous this is so wonderful and then yeah. peop- some people who've done tours just go oh it's one hotel mm-hmm. after another tell us about your tour experience well that was my fear at first that it was going to be one hotel after another and, and I remember when we first because we were in Washington we spent about four weeks on the road before we actually opened you know proper year two of the, of the company um and it was the actor who was going to be playing Evan for from from my year, who was currently the understudy, uh, not the understudy, the alternate, pardon me, on on year one. And he, so we all had this big circle, and everyone said like, put you know, say something about yourself or one thing you know about tour to the rest of the people who are new. And uh, Stephen said, Airbnb, get used to Airbnb, you know, figure out how to work Airbnb and I was like oh interesting because I was not looking forward to you know not being able to cook for a year and then uh, as soon as I figured out okay I could stay in Airbnbs because we had we had hotel options but we could also kind of take our per diem and then go now did they book the Airbnb for you or did you have to no, book your so own so yeah so I would book my own I oh. mean we, we were given a per diem right mm-hmm. and um, so we would either like the, have we have the company it's a, it's a it, that itself the is a, is a production you know the, the company managers who like book our flights and our or our buses and wherever we're going in the hotels and things um so there's a deadline to like book the two hotels or one of the two hotels and if you don't want their one if you don't want one of those options you say i'm staying on my own and uh and you're kind of responsible to find your own place so i would look for airbnbs really close to the theater stay with people in the cast uh so as soon as i figured that out i said okay excellent i booked pretty much like eight months in advance for airbnbs and did they all turn out actually i only had to cancel one which is great so i guess i booked seven months in advance um and and then as soon as i did that i ended up going to this hardware store i picked up like a tackle box and i filled it with cooking supplies (laughs) so anytime i would land at an airbnb I would just have this thing that was in my trunk because we all get these big trunks. We have our suitcases. Then we have trunks that you can put boots and, you know, winter clothes in and things like that. But mine was just like my pots and my cooking (laughs) things. Your pots and pans. And I would just bring that, open it up. Italian spices. Yeah. And it didn't really matter what the Airbnb had because I had everything I needed. So it was really... What an experience. It was just wonderful. I had a wonderful Uh, time. What is your biggest takeaway from having been in a show like that? Um, It is certainly... um, Well... It really, Dear Evan Hansen has really reinforced, and specifically the tour, 
has reinforced for me my belief and commitment to uh, being a, a regional artist or, or working in non-urban centers, I would say. Because when we did this tour, you know, we'd go to these different communities and a lot of the young people at the stage door probably might not ever go to New York, you know. They might not be able to either afford to, to get there or it's just they're on the other side of the country and they're Broadway lovers and musical theater lovers and hearing, you know, they're still fortunate that these massive shows get to tour, tour through their communities. But speaking with a lot of those uh, fans of the show and just, you know, general public in these communities, you know, we really do need work of that level everywhere, mm-hmm. right? So for me, it reinforced what I'm doing with Yes with trying to create really excellent, high-quality theater in in not Toronto, you know? In Sudbury. Yeah, yeah, which we've Let's, had. Of course, we've had. Absolutely, but like, we have. To 50, be able to... 50 years of Sudbury Theatre Exactly, Center. right? Mm-hmm. But I want to do, you know, epic musicals, big mm-hmm. pieces that... Um, Change well, hearts, move minds, all those things. Let's talk a little bit about, about Yes Theatre. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to a time when you were 16 years old and going to sure. high school. And your high school was not ready to produce the kinds of musicals that you, Alessandro, <laughs> wanted. Well, yeah. So you decided at age 16 that you would start your own theatre company. That's right. And uh, I wish people could have been present at that moment. I will never forget it as long as I live. I was here at the Sudbury Theatre Centre and you <laughs> walked in and you had a little briefcase. Right. You walked in and you were all business at it's 16 nice and you said, I want to start a theatre company of my own and we can do all the shows that our schools won't let us do. And you sat and you talked about your dream to the artistic director, David Savoy, and mm-hmm. then off you went because you had an appointment with the mayor of the city. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> off you went <laughs> with your briefcase. Yeah. And when you left, David looked at me and says, I just feel like a dream crusher. He's never going to be able to do it. It's just too hard. Uh-huh. And there you did it. How on mm-hmm. earth did you raise the money? How did you get people to have faith in you, to the mayor to have faith in you? How did that start? Um, I think it was really driven by, like at the time, I just wanted to do hair, right? I just like hair kind of cracked something open in me and it wasn't until recently that I think I could actually articulate what that was and it was because that musical is very much about community it's about friendship and love and how powerful and you know earth-shaking that could be and I think I was in desperate need of that I think I was really um I was looking I was looking to to create that and to you know, have a space where we could just be together with people I really love, like-minded people, working on on this musical that sings about peace and sings about friendship and and love and acceptance and all these things. And so definitely the narrative of Hair was this guiding spirit, I think. And then I just got very lucky. I think I got very fortunate that the people that I was speaking to... Um, gave me the healthy dose of like, you know, are you sure? Can you do this? Um, And support. Uh, And I found that the support was really bolstering, but the doubt was even more so helpful for me because uh, even now there's a project that we're trying to do and a lot of people are like, I don't know if that's going to happen. And it just kind of makes my blood like Mm -hmm. ring Mm -hmm. or or not boil, not boil, because it's not an anger, it's just... It's this desire to 
I guess nothing cool is going to happen mm. unless somebody kind of doubts it. And, and right? it's true. <laughs> if you don't go to the edge, if you don't go beyond what you mm-hmm. think you can do, if the, if yeah. the stakes aren't high enough, high enough you just, yeah, yeah you, have to, totally. you have to do that. Totally. So we take a look at 10 years of Yes Theatre. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine 10 years of Yes Theatre. What are some of the things <laughs> that, uh, when you look back, that either shock you that you did mm-hmm. or that you just burst with pride that you did? What are some of those moments? <laughs> um... Yeah, well, I mean, right now we're in the rehearsal hall at the Subway Theater Center, and there's a, you know, like there's so many moments in this space working with the artists and creating the work that that was profoundly memorable. Um, he, I guess, I guess it's just the like the the body of work now that we've created mm-hmm. that is kind of. You know, well, you know, for me, seeing you in front of the Sudbury Symphony Orchestra doing a show yeah, with the symphony. Totally. All of that. It's all kind of crazy. Yeah, then creating your um, own symphony totally, orchestra yeah, after the, that. Yeah. So there's been, <laughs> I, I mean, for, for, for me personally, I think Billy Elliot was, um, uh, I th- would say, the, the piece that I am most proud of. Why is that? Um, I think because out of any narrative we chose, I felt like I understood it the most, I think because it kind of relates to, closely relates to my own story as a young artist here in Sudbury, and it's a mining town, and just there's a lot of parallels between our community and the community in the show. But there was something about every character in that piece um, that I saw myself in, even the grandmother, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there was, there was um, I, I just felt mm-hmm. like I had a really... Uh, intimate understanding of the world. It was it was a wonderful show and uh-huh. so impactful to do it in Sudbury because I remember we had a special steelworkers night. I don't know if you mm-hmm. remember that, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. we had a special night where where people from the steelworkers hall came or things like. Anyway, but it is COVID times now and we can't even That's think right. about things like that. That's right. So you are doing a show mm-hmm. during COVID times. How yeah. nervy is that? Yes. Well, it was you know for artists all over the world has been so difficult these last eight months to just be like mm. what we had everything and not everything but we had <laughs> we were able to create and then for it all to go it took a while for me like i i like a lot of people had these like okay i'm good and then i am deeply depressed and sad and then ups and downs throughout the last little while and and then it's kind of like anything when when all of a sudden we oh this show great and then it was just this kind of straight line that I was like all right we got to make that happen why is this the perfect show um I think bed and breakfast is a perfect show for us to do because it is quite small during all of this it's quite small uh it is just myself Jake Deeth Jeannie Pennard and Morgan Cook we are four artists who have worked together a lot Jake and I have lived together for for um, I guess it for oh, this will be our well not really because we're not living there now but nine years almost yeah in, in all, Toronto. all through school in Toronto all through school and, and then Jeannie mm-hmm. actually lived in the apartment before Jake took over oh. um, so we've all kind of lived mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. Um, uh, Morgan has been our stage manager for this will be her fourth season third season mm-hmm. yeah third season um, and it's just a gorgeous it's a gorgeous story it's um, a comedy. It is a comedy, yeah, with a lot of heart, and that's kind of what I love. You know, um, it tells the story of these these uh, this queer couple, Brett and Drew, who cannot afford a 
home in Toronto mm-hmm. keep getting outbid, and they inherit uh, Brett's aunt's home in this small town, and they go out there and they open this bed and breakfast, and it's them kind of navigating being out in the in the small in a small town, and, and uh, it, we play a million different characters. So it, it's it's glorious to be able to work so closely with people I trust and love mm-hmm. so much and to be able to create something for for the community right Give now. Give me the 30-second elevator pitch. Sudbury, you have to see this show because... Sudbury, you need to see Bed and Breakfast because it is, first of all, being put on by four artists that have made some pretty fantastic pieces in the past, which you love. Uh, I would say Jake Teeth is enough of a reason for you to come in all the roles that he plays, but it's a very moving, uh, spirit-lifting piece of theatre that will give you, you know, make your heart and brain kind of leap. I believe you because I've already bought my tickets. Perfect. (laughs) So, Alessandro, at the end of each television show, The Actors Studio, host James Lipton borrowed from the Bernard Pivot and Marcel Proust questionnaires and would find out some really interesting things about his guests' personalities. We've adapted Lipton's questionnaire and cool. now would like to ask you the Arts at Nine questionnaire okay. and answers in as few words as humanly possible, even Great. one sometimes. Perfect. What is your favorite word? This is not an exam. Mm-hmm. I know. I love. Yeah. What is your least favorite word? No. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Community. What turns you off? Exclusivity. What's the sound or noise that you love? Garlic frying. (laughs) What's the sound or noise that you hate? (laughs) I don't know. A fan? What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? A chef. What profession would you not like to do? Anything in an office. Anything in an office. (laughs) What's your principal fault? Principal fault. Oversharing. Pardon? Oversharing. Oversharing. (laughs) And what would you like to be remembered for? Um, My contributions to the theater. Thank you, Alessandro Costantini, for joining us today on Arts and Nine, and you have made a great contribution to the theater. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you to the Sudbury Arts Council for inviting Alessandro to our studio today. And now, from the musical Hair, the first musical ever done by Yes Theater, here's the Broadway cast with Hair. She asks me why I'm just a hairy guy I'm hairy noon and night, hair that's a fright. I'm hairy high and low, don't ask me why, don't know. It's not for lack of bread, like the grateful dead, darling. Gimme hemp with hair.
They'll be Gaga and a Go-Go when they see me in my toga. My toga made of blonde, brilliant teen, biblical hair. My hair like Jesus wore it, hallelujah, I adore it, hallelujah, Mary loved her son. Why don't my mother love me? Hey, show it, show it, love has got to grow my hair. Hi, I'm Dick Perra. I'm a trumpet player in Sudbury and play in several bands around town. And you're listening to The Arts at Nine on CKLU 96.7. And that was hair, and I just felt like I was really rocking it with hair. John McHenry, have you ever seen hair? I've only ever seen the movie. I've never seen it on stage. Ah. Which is odd. Yeah, it was the big, you know, uh, the big surprise hit of the 1970s, that's for sure. It was, along with O Calcutta. That was another uh, hit. Yes. And another nudie musical. Well, yes, and so people listening might not realize that there was a lack of clothing uh, a number of times in hair. And, of course, in the 70s, that was pretty shocking, really. In fact, nudity on stage at any time is shocking. Today, it, it's shocking. Even, even today. I, I remember going to London, England, and getting half-price tickets to M. Butterfly. The tickets were in the front row, and at one point, there was this guy standing mm. arms, arms length from me mm-hmm. and became totally nude. And, and you would be and probably more embarrassed than he was. He could have cared less. Absolutely. What is it? Because I think we all have that same reaction. We see it in film, we see it in film, we see it in film, we don't bat an eye. You see a little bit too much skin on stage and we are shocked. We do, yes. Why is that? I, I have no idea. That, that's, that's a good question. That's something from the skull, something for the scholars to answer. Something for the scholars. <laughs> I, you just, I guess you're not expecting to see a human body bear right in front of you well, and, unless right, you go to it, burlesque or yes, something. Yes, and it's... Like when I went to M Butterfly, I did not realize there would be nudity. Mm-hmm. So when that happens and it's right in front of you, mm-hmm. it, it it was sort of a. You don't know where to look as an audience member. You don't know where to look. And I'm in the business. Mm-hmm. And and I can remember the nude times on the Sudbury Theater Center stage. Not me, luckily. Oh. <laughs> And you, you couldn't pay me enough. <laughs> but I remember Gail Hakala in, uh, she's a Sudbury girl, a professional actor, and, and she had to raise yes, her top up high uh, and nude underneath. And I still remember that moment, and that had to be I 25 did, years ago because I, we were all in shock. If not more, I was walking backstage on uh, that show. And I remember, I think, Cold Comfort. She had to bathe on stage in a little pan of water, and she stood up. She was full as they poured water over her. Shocking. Uh, but I have to say, one of the, for me, the funny things was when there was the first male nudity on stage. We had females, but male nudity. And he came walking in, the fellow who was nude in, in that show, came walking in from stage right and kind of came upstage. So you saw a lot of rear end, but you had to have your seat in the perfect spot to see more than rear end. We suddenly noticed that the ticket sales all were down in one <laughs> corner of the theater. I kid you not. And of course, everybody loves 
the ending of the full Monty. Oh, that. Right. For, tell people who don't know the ending of the full Monty what it's like. Well, it's blinding, actually, because the lights go really bright. But the guys, you know, they do a strip number at the end, from uniforms right down to nothing. And, um, yeah. That's and they have their little hats, right? They do have their little hats, but then they throw them away. They I throw know. them up in the air, right? So the lighting cue, that stage manager oh, is calling a very yes. tight lighting cue. Absolutely. I used to kid them here when they were in rehearsal that I was going to have a flashlight in the front row. <laughs> as soon as the lights went out, I was going to turn my flashlight on. Never did do it. John, what is up for next week on Arts at Nine? Well, next week is going to be film week. Ah, good. It is. Very exciting. Um, and not only do we have Beth Mayers from Indie Cinema here in Sudbury coming into the studio, but we have Sudbury Hollywood cinematographer Matthew Seguin. Matthew Seguin is a big deal. He spent time in Hollywood training. He will have the backstage Hollywood. I bet he will. I'll bet he'll have some good stories for us. Well, we can only hope. Uh, send your shout-outs to communications at sudburytheatre.ca. Yes, please tell us who your favourite Sudbury artist or artists. That's right. Oh. We encourage you to click the donate button at CKLU Radio or the Sudbury Theatre Centre or your favourite arts organisation. And don't forget we have a podcast, Arts at Nine. You have to spell out nine, N-I-N-E, to find us. Thanks to all of those who helped with this week's show. Megan Karchi from the Sudbury Arts Council. STC's Alana Renschel and Ben Whiteman. Downtown Sudbury's Maggie LeBlanc. And the Ontario Arts Council. I'm Judy Strawn. And I'm John McHenry. And remember what Einstein said, creativity is contagious. Pass it on. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week. Bye for now.